Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the favorite jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a very talented and down-to-earth percussionist, Kyle Benford. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? This is Lee from Improv Exchange, and today we have Kyle Bentford with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing really well. How are you? Can't complain. Can't complain. You're first of all, introduce yourself to the people. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I'm Kyle Bentford. I play uh, the drums. I produce music. I'm um, working on, you know, mixing music. So I guess you could say I'm a mix engineer, but um, my main focus has been playing the drums, jazz drums particularly, uh, for the past decade or so. And, um, you know, I've lived in New York City for five years. I studied at uh, the Juilliard School um, under the wings of, you know, Wynton Marsalis and drummers like Kenny Washington. Um, I would walk around and see, you know, like Yo-Yo Ma. So it was a really cool time. And uh, I was around some great musicians, but ultimately, I think New York scene was was so cool, you know. And um, I hate to say it, past tense with this virus going on, as if it's not happening now. There's still people out playing, actually. But you know, I, I was able to find myself around people like um, Johnny O'Neill and um, everybody from that sort of era to somebody like Micah Thomas or Emmanuel, who's my age, um, gifted people younger, you know, it was just, um, a whole breadth of knowledge and whole, whole bunch of people just kind of sift through and experience, you know, through, through music. And that's kind of what I've been doing the past couple of years of my life. Okay. And since you already brought him up, let's get into gifted first. Cause that album sure. is amazing. Literally. <laughs> one of my favorite yeah. albums of the year how did you guys come about that and the group you have together is very solid mm. so yeah. so um i i recall you know it's all kind of such a blur like that stuff is like julia so it was just such a fast-paced thing we were just making music and going out uh you know to smalls when gifton first moves to new york um he kind of started hanging around uh, like me, Micah a little bit, we started introducing him to people and we would, you know, meet at Small's play. We'd meet at Dizzy's play, just either by coincidence or intentionally. And um, we definitely took a liking to each other and had just played in like a couple of different bands. We just like started playing sessions, you know. And I think by the second session we had, I messaged him and said, I was, I was like, bro, we, we need to start a band. And um, we, we started talking about like who we, you know, wanted to get in there. Um, tried some different bassists, some different pianists. It was a quartet originally at first, I think. And we, we were actually were playing like none of the music that was on the record currently, or maybe like one might've been playing um, True Design at that point uh, and Inner Perception. But, uh, you know, we we were just playing, and he he brought in some music. By the fifth session, fourth session, you know, it was it had turned into a quintet, and um, 
we just kind of went from there. Uh, pretty much went from there. Started playing in the city a little bit at Smalls. We had a couple gigs. And um, within a year or so of that, we, we started playing regularly at Smoke Jazz Club, which I think was a huge, a huge turning point in terms of the direction of how that went. Um, you know, we had, like you said, really solid musicians. So um, were you planning on going on tour with this group until the whole virus kicked in? Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Gifton had some dates booked. Um, I, I, I'm not too sure. There was, there was something in San Francisco and he had mentioned a couple of things, but, um, the, it was, you know, he's in school. So his, you know, time permitting he was in school, he wouldn't have been in tour like until the summer anyway. So I feel like, you know, he would have, he would have been figuring that sort of stuff out a little bit later into this year. And then, you know, the quarantine was right early into this year. So understood. He's 21, if I'm correct, right? Uh, yeah. 21. Yeah. He's going to have a big future on him. <laughs> so, I mean, it's already, it's already, it's already a big thing he's doing. Like, I don't know. I, I'm we're young. Sure. But I think it's a beautiful thing. To acknowledge it's a great thing too. Agreed. So you went to the Juilliard school and you finished. What is something that you learned there that doesn't really apply outside of the music world? Uh, I actually didn't finish Juilliard. You didn't? Uh, I was wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Juilliard is the second school that I actually was kicked out of. And um, both of the schools taught me a lot of things, you know, there's two ends to it. I would say like, there's so much value within these schools. First off, like every, everywhere you go, you're hearing beautiful, beautiful music at like the highest level being just played in repetition and practice and in performance, like everywhere you go. And then you see on the contrary, like actors and not jazz musicians and just, and then dancers, you know, it's a lot to it that it's more than just like, Oh, I'm to me. I felt like, it was always more than just like sitting in a room being like, oh, I'm playing scales. Like there was like a whole sort of way of being in a way and a whole sort of common ground of like the arts pushing, you know, in, in certain areas and certain degrees, pushing like that energy, that sort of um, ability to take action like through that, like so intently, you know, and so intensely. Uh, I think that was a big takeaway because that's something I think think would carry through more than like learning like scale methodology or like a rhythm out of a book in my opinion no, like, I understand. Yeah. so how did you get kicked out of Juilliard I'm sorry I just gotta ask that oh man <laughs> yeah oh gosh uh I I sum it up uh like uh <laughs> you know class starts at 9 a.m then, like, my other class ended at 5 a.m. So you were going to class? No, like, I was going out playing music and meeting people and, like, trying to figure out how to live in the city uh, and trying, trying to build a life somewhat, you know, at the, the, the age of, I got there at 19. I don't know, my focus was just, like, 
that other school. There's a school like, you know, my music theory class at 9 a.m. And then there's the school going out into New York's music scene at f- until five in the morning, like almost every day. Like that was another school sort of thing. The school to me. Okay. Has it at least yeah. improved, developed your playing better than you expected? I have no clue. No idea. <laughs> but wherever I'm at now is where I'm at now. And I think it's, you know, I'm having a good conversation. <laughs> it's okay. pretty cool. Like, you know, played some great music recently. Past, you know, no, that's one thing I got to yeah. give you. You have been even with Micah's album, you were great on the drums, so I can't criticize your playing. So, uh, that's a okay. So, as a student, when you were a jazz student, right? Did you figure yeah. that you would be going that route, like just not going to classes? Yeah. You did, yeah. I mean, it, it just kind of happened, like, just what it was. <laughs> like, uh, I tried, man, I definitely tried. Uh, like I, if I, if I could go back, I would have maybe tried a little harder, but the, I, I think it was just, it was just the way things went, man. Uh, it was kind of like, once again, my focus was really diehard on like going out and meeting people and exploring and like experiencing playing music. I was, you know, not, it was, a. Uh, it was definitely a split in in that sort of intent as opposed to the intent required, like completing a degree, you know, at, at a prestigious, intense, like high caliber institution with top premier educators. Like it's I, not. Listen, I don't think anybody immersed, could really criticize you at the end of the day. You got kicked out of Juilliard. You got in. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you can't play. Doesn't mean your career isn't going to go anywhere. So and actually, I, I I did. I didn't really get kicked out. I dropped out. So okay. Uh, I guess. Uh, I guess that's a a better way to phrase that one. Yeah. Okay. So, what do people seem to misunderstand about Juilliard? Huh. It's uh, a great question. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know what people like think about it. People people have like asked me if it's like whiplash because you know I play the drums. So Miles Teller. So you, you, have you seen that movie? Whiplash? Yes, of course I've seen that movie. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, you never know. You never know. And yeah, he 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 uh he's not a good example of of like what it is to like it's not the worst example, but that's just the dude, the guy's like a uh, it's an evil sadist, you know. Like, yeah, this is not I thought thing. the movie sucked. So, I thought the teacher was an EVP, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah, it, it was just. But but related to your <laughs> related to your question, you know, like yeah, that's that's the common one. Like, bro, have you seen the movie Whiplash? <laughs> like, every day. <laughs> okay, so. What have you? What did you enjoy about the music scene so much that you weren't paying attention to your classes? Uh, life. <laughs> I don't know. That's a that's a bad answer. No, I mean it's your opinion. It, I just know, it, need to know what you mean. It's like um, no, like that was a, v- a bad answer. Just like because definitely like school is a part of life, <laughs> but in terms of like the actual going out and like 
I don't know, man. I couldn't, I couldn't go back and forth to a building and like try to learn music like by proxy of people that actually know how to play the music, but in an environment that just, it was just like a school environment. Like there's all these sorts of things that just kind of conflict with like, in my opinion, just like waking up, getting to the music and figuring it out. Like there's, I don't know, you know, try to keep it simple type of thing. Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, okay. So yeah. yeah, I guess you like the freedom, the more lively atmosphere. Sure. Sure. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> so what have you noticed about the music scene recently then? Um, recently as in like how, like, like since you past, left like Juilliard, I should say. Um, okay. When I left Juilliard, that was probably like 2017. So around that time, Roy Hargrove was, was around or 2018. I had also taken a year off while I was at Juilliard and yeah, Roy was there, you know, um, it was pretty active when, when Roy was there and following, uh, Roy's passing. And, um, that was like a really just inspiring kind of like, it was like having a Renaissance man, like walking to particularly smalls or like every club in New York city, just like every day. And that's like, kind of like the dream come true. Not to say that there's nobody like with that same impact on the scene now, but you know, Roy is a figure in this music that I think we all can agree. Um, is just is just it's unequivocal. Everything about it is just it's um what it is, you know. So that was a, a great time, and I was pretty much going out every day, man. So there it was like a life rooted around that for like almost a year and a half. It was amazing. Okay. Uh, seems cool. Like if, you, if I don't know. No, I get what you're saying on that. So do you think the jazz scene is going to be bigger than it was in 10 years? Do you think it's going to get smaller? What have you noticed on that? Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of like a a little bit of a cynic because the fact of the matter is, uh, in my opinion, people that are actually playing this music, like like how, how it should be played, like not for some sort of like, um, I don't know. It, it's uh, yeah, it's like a certain way, a sound and like way to play the music that's like kind of not happening. That you, like that is more common than the, the former, you know? So you don't like so, how mainstream jazz? I you- mean, even some of it, yeah, sure. Like I haven't like a lot of records that have come out in the past five years. Like, I don't I don't really check out. Like I'll look at them too. You know, like there's a couple that, that like and I, there's like tons, but like a couple. You know what I mean? No, I actually agree to the extent because jazz is one percent of the music market. A lot of it that I think is being played is kind of I don't want to say garbage, but nothing I'm interested in. So yeah. when you brought it up, I was actually curious on why you think that. Yeah. It's simply that man. Like the, there's people who like my opinion, like I can just drop names that like invoke a certain spirit that like 
you can, it's, uh, it's one, it's undeniable. And two, it's like what it is, like the, the extension of this music that like we all are here, like you and I are talking about, like living through, you know, almost vicariously at this point, because it's not, it's not what it, it like, it's not horrible. Like, it's not to say it's this horrible thing at all, but it's musically and I think socially a little bit and um, oppor- in terms of opportunity and just like how opportunity is struck now, even compared to then and the dilution of, of substance in, in the modern world, like, man, it's just, you know, not, it couldn't be what it was type thing. Okay, so name yeah. three of those artists right now. Like, uh, that I could name now. So, one, I mean, I think a really clear one, like Ambrose. I can't, I can use I, I'm horrible with names. <laughs> Sorry, Ambrose. <laughs> Definitely. I know you're, like, I know this name, but I'm just very, I'm kind of like, this is a good conversation. Uh, great example of his recent record. Um, it was, was phenomenal and like uh yeah it was phenomenal um and um so, you know somebody like Josh Evans i think is um is is power like just unbelievable another unbelievable just sort of uh, example um I don't. I don't. I don't even want to narrow it. Like somebody, you know, Stacy Dillard. Um, I don't like. There's just so many, man. There's people within all sorts of generations doing it, type of thing, like that have been doing it and are starting to. But it's just one of those things. Okay. So, mm-hmm. as a drummer, I don't know what you're doing right now. Are you playing mainly gigs, or are you doing mainly recordings? Man, I've been not, <laughs> I have been out of work since January. I left the city in January and um, I've just been playing, you know, on the, on occasion, practicing, listening, been writing a little bit, and, um, you know, not really having many gigs. I'm not in New York, so sessions, you know, not many of those happening. But uh, it's, it's okay. Yeah. okay. It's like a different time. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, would you talk them out of being a musician? <laughs> um, I mean, no. not Maybe to somebody else. <laughs> you would talk somebody else out of being a musician. Depends on the person, yeah. Okay. And that, I mean, not not even, not even, not not even, not really. Like, it's not this treacherous thing like that. But it's, uh, I think, playing music is pretty can be intense. Like, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, as with with anything, really, any like serious like inquisition. Um. Yeah. So, it's just like. I think it's just a matter of really committing to something, finding that sort of person. Okay. So if you could remove all the barriers and constraints, what type of project would you do 
and who would be on it. Hmm. Um, hmm. I've thought about this. Number one, like John Coltrane, Miles Davis. <laughs> but uh, right now, I'm thinking of of having a band, you know, a generational band. So, you know, there's like a legacy band already, like Frank Lacey, and there's been stuff like Art Blakey's bands and many others. Um, but doing that sort of thing where it's completely cross-generational, that could be cool. Like you have somebody, you know, mentioned him so many times, Johnny O'Neill, and then, you know, somebody a little younger than him on the front line on saxophone and then somebody younger than him on trumpet. And then, you know, have a nice diversity, man. Like it'd be cool to have a little more of that. Uh, like just playing with people that are better than me all the time. You know, that's the goal. I think that's kind of just the dream more than a, like a dream band that would happen organically probably. Okay. But, uh, it's a generational thing. It's cool. Good idea. So who in the generation ahead of you, I want to say 10 years older than you, would you like to play with? Uh, Josh Evans, Ambrose, uh, Emmanuel, you know, Gibson, Aaron Parks. There's a lot of people. There's so many people to name. Um, yeah, tons, really. Okay. And what is the best compliment you ever received? Ah, uh, hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Too many. <laughs> that many? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I think the one that immediately popped into my head was uh, Lewis, Lewis uh, Hayes, great drummer. Like legendary drummer, uh, with you know he's played with John Coltrane, uh, Cannonball Adderley, to just name a couple. And um, he heard me play. Oh man, there's a couple actually that I'm thinking of. But he heard me play at at Juilliard after his master. He did a master class, and he he was really um, really seemed very impressed and stopped for a minute and was, was like, your concept is absolutely wonderful and absolutely swinging. You can play. It's just up to you to choose if you want to keep doing this because right now playing like this won't make you a lot of money and that's going to be intense. And it, it was, it rang pretty true and it was ringing pretty true at that time. And, um, that part that part was pretty intense something I, I'm learning still and it was just having that sort of person um, you know he also told me once just be he was such like a great sort of he just had sort of this like zen about him that was really was captivating um, so that sort of stuff you know um, just kind of it's like a very gentle push, but a very powerful push in the in the right direction. That was like great. And Harold Mayburn sat next to me 
a whole set um, once and played with Mike Troy Quartet and watched me the, the entire time and like thanked me after I played. That was pretty huge. Um, so having uh, like, yeah, good guys like that. It's like, a, that's like a, it's like a amazing sort of compliment. That's like a compliment. That's a, like life-changing sort of stuff. Okay. So before we go, we normally like to give a shout out and show our respects to artists that came before us. Okay. I'm going to give mm-hmm. you an instrument and two artists. Choose one and tell us why. Okay. Sure. On trumpet, Winton Marcellus or Christian Scott? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I say I'll just go with Winton Marsalis because I know more about Winton Marsalis. Okay, fair. On saxophone. Oh, yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, fair. On saxophone. (laughs) Wayne Shorter (laughs) or Sonny Rollins? Uh, (laughs) Uh, Wayne Shorter. Sonny Rollins. (laughs) (laughs) You got to choose one, man. (laughs) Sonny Rollins. (laughs) Fair, okay. On bass, Ron Carter or Ray Brown? Ron Carter. On piano, Robert Glasper or Andrew Hill? Andrew Hill. I'm going to ask you why on that one. Uh, alphabetical order. Okay. Yeah. The name starts with an A. <laughs> and on drums. This one you're gonna answer, okay? Buddy Rich or Billy Coban? Um. Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's the Buddy Rich. Yeah, Buddy Rich, definitely. Okay, no problem. You can ask why. I'm that's ask. a good one to ask. Why. Okay, yeah. why? <laughs> uh, I don't think Billy Coban would exist without Buddy Rich. Everything. That's actually a really good reason. I give you that. Okay. Can you tell everyone your social media, your websites, where to find you? (laughs) Sure. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at Benford Drums. My last name is Benford. Um, So B-E-N-F-O-R-D-R-U-M-S. My name is not Ben. Happens a lot. And, um, you know, Facebook, Kyle Benford. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. You can send me an email. Uh, love talking about the drums. and love talking about music. It's what I do. Okay. And then, um, you know, there, there's going to be um, a lot of content coming out, like, pretty soon. Yeah, with um, a studio that I've been working with. It's like a graphic design visual design studio. I remember you were asking about the photographer earlier uh, called Uh-Oh Studios. So be sure to look out for that because um, it's going to be pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff happening. So, Okay. Um, 
Anything else? Yeah. Oh, is that all? Uh, no, not really. Um, okay. Uh, man, this is awesome. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> Is this, is this closing out right now? Like, is this no, like, unless you have something else you want to add, go ahead. <laughs> I'm waiting on you, man. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Yeah. Okay, I guess we'll close out then. Okay, everyone, this is Leander <laughs> from Improv Exchange. Thank you, Kyle, for joining us. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you, man. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>